Well, good morning, Mercy Road. It is great to be with you and worship with you this morning, whether you're joining us online or in person. Uh, my name's Chad Murphy. I'm the spiritual formation pastor here at Mercy Road. Mike opened up this series on There Will Be Giants last Sunday, and it's my privilege to continue this journey with you. The, the title of today's message is Defending the Honor of Our King. And if you want to follow with me, we're going to be in 1 uh, Samuel chapter 17. And, and there'll be a lot of text, but the primary text is verses 32 through 37. But I get to take you back just a few years ago in my life. Uh, I recall it like it was yesterday, but I was a teenager. Yeah, it was a few years ago. And, and um, um, I was, like most teenagers, out fooling around, having fun with my buddies. It was, the clock had struck midnight. That was my thing to say, it's time to get home. We were in a subdivision with a lot of my friends, and I had a couple buddies who needed rides home. We hopped in the car, and I had the greatest car, the Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser station wagon. I know you get some claps out of that. It was awesome. Why they discontinued this car is a mystery to me. All car dealers, I want the station wagon with wood paneling back. It was my favorite car. And mine happened to have the sunroof, which is incredible back then. So it was a hand-me-down vehicle. Um, and I drove it, and because it was huge, nine-passenger, I was often the hub for transportation for my buddies. And this night, we were in a, a subdivision visiting friends. It was time to come home, and um, it happened to start snowing about two hours before we left for home. And I was always comfortable driving in the snow, but sometimes it fools you. And this was one of those nights. It was only a couple of inches of snow, but when I got to my first intersection and pressed on that brake, I was caught off guard. And I skidded through the stop sign into the intersection. No cars. My heart was in my throat. I was so thankful. I began to turn the car to get back out of the intersection, kind of praising and saying thank you, when all of a sudden there was one vehicle present. And the... Lights went on, and a police car came zooming in on me kind of aggressively, and I was like, whoa. And uh, the officer steps out, and I roll down my window, and he says, where have you been? And I said, visiting friends? And, and he said a few swear words <laughs> that were threatening, and he said, you're lying. Where have you been? And I said, officer, I, I don't know what you want me to tell you, but the truth, I was visiting friends, it's time to go home, I'm trying to get home, and yes, maybe I should have known it was slippery, I'm sorry I slid into the intersection, you're lying to me, where have you been? And I'm so confused, and I'm so frustrated, because I am telling the truth, I really am telling the truth, you guys. Um, and he doesn't believe me. He goes back to his vehicle. He's on that radio thing. I'm like, what is happening? I slid into an intersection. I mean, this could have happened to anybody. 
He comes back and he says, you go straight home. And, uh, and we're not done here. And so I go home. My dad is just saying goodbye to his company who had been over. And he says, don't you go to bed, son. I need to talk to you. He had received a phone call. And my dad said, Chad, what's going on? And I said, Dad, I don't know. I said, I was at an intersection. I did slip through the stop sign, but he was angry. He was, he, he was calling me names. It, it was awful, and he didn't believe me, and I was telling him the truth. He said, is that everything? I said, yeah, Dad, that's everything. Well, all right, you can go to bed. My dad calls the police station the next day. And this is where the story turns so positive for me. Because my dad believed me. And, and, and I had never been one to deceive. I couldn't lie if I had to. I just can't. It's just not in my nature. And you would know, you'd know immediately if I was trying to deceive you. I Don't ever ask me to plan a surprise party. I, I hate it. I hate even being part of it. It just, I dread it. I don't want to look at you if you ask me, well, why are we going this way? Well, because I always like to go this way, and I'm lying, and I'm, ah. So don't, don't get me involved in your surprise parties either. But, but my dad believed me, and, and what flipped this story for me is he had my back. It was so honoring for me. What I didn't know is my dad called the police station the next day, and about a day later, I get a phone call from a very sheepish police officer who says, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And it was just such an important moment for me, not for the police officer's sake, but because my dad had my back. And I was so honored by the fact that he stood up for me. And I want to cut this police officer a little bit of slack, so I want to tell you the rest of the story briefly. In that subdivision, after midnight, on that day, there was another gold wood-paneled station wagon knocking down mailboxes. At the same time, we were there. It's unbelievable, but that's what was happening. So he thought he had his person dead to rights. That's why he didn't believe me, because I was in a gold wood-paneled station wagon, and there was a kids in the car. He's like, we got him. And he jumped to the conclusion, I understand why. But anyway, it was so beautiful because my dad had my back, and that was such an honor. We're in this series, and today we're going to look at the giant of honor. We're going to be in 1 Samuel in your Bible, chapter 17. And I want to give you a quick backdrop for this story because I think some of you know it well, but some of you may not. The Philistines were a true enemy of Israel. And, and they had decided once again to gather their forces for war against the Israelites. Well, the Israelites had to respond, so they gathered up their army, and these two armies came together. And the Bible tells us that they drew up their battle lines, the Philistines on one hill, the Israelites on another, with a valley between them. And there they stood. But here in 1 Samuel 17, we learn more. 
in the Philistine army was a, a champion fighter, and his name is Goliath. And the Bible tells us he was over nine feet tall, and he was a fighting champion. And he stepped out of the ranks of the Philistines and he said to the Israelite army, listen, why don't you have one of your guys come down, meet me, and we'll fight to death. And if your man wins, we will be subject to you. We will serve you. Just like our armies had fought, the response will be the same. We'll come under and be subjects to you. But if I win then you all are subjects to us. In other words, it's as though you've been defeated and you are now our subjects and you will serve us. Well, the Bible tells us that upon hearing from Goliath, the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. They, they, they looked at this giant and they said, what are we going to do? Nobody here can defeat this giant. And so they were dismayed and terrified. And worse, Goliath stepped forward for 40 days and nights. Every morning, every night, he came out and he taunted the army of Israel. In other words, he mocked them. He laughed at them. He, he probably called them all kinds of names and just said, why won't one of you come out? Come on. I'm here. Fight me. Come on. And the Israelites were terrified. Well, David, the other key in this story, was home tending his father's sheep. His father's name is Jesse. He had boys. The oldest boys were literally part of the Israelite army. So Jesse tells David, hey, I want you to go up to the battlefront and bring some supplies, check on your brothers, and just be an encouragement to them. And then come back and let me know how things are going. Well, David happens to arrive right when Goliath is coming out once again to taunt the army of Israel. So he hears Goliath mocking, ridiculing, laughing at, at, at the Israelite army and, and their God. And, and David hears this, and he cannot believe it. He cannot believe what he's hearing. And, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 David says this. David asked the men standing near him. They had just heard Goliath taunting. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Do, do you hear what David's asking? This is such a valuable lesson for us. And if you have your bulletins, it's point number one for us this morning. And it, there's an amazing lesson, and it's this. Our perspective really matters. Listen, the entire Israelite army looked out at Goliath and saw an undefeatable giant. David saw a living God who would deliver them to victory. All they had to do was trust and believe that God would be victorious. They were just the subjects that God would use to defeat Goliath. But in David's mind, no one can stand up to a living God and win. To the rest of the Israelite army, nobody can stand up to a giant and win. 
their perspectives on the same reality were entirely different. David saw a faithful God who would not allow them to not be victorious. The rest of the army saw a giant who could not be defeated. Our perspectives matter so much as we journey in life. Let's continue because David is now going to explain this to King Saul. Because King Saul heard about David saying, who is this man? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he'd stand up to the living God? And he calls David to come have a conversation with him. And that's where we pick up the story, verse 32. David said to Saul, that's King Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he, here we go, has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I wanted to say something just so you know. I, I'm normally reading from the Bible to you, but I left the Bible in my car back home. And I now sadly need a large print Bible. So I couldn't just grab any Bible because I'd be up here in these bright lights saying. So I had to use some printed text this morning. David had reasons for such a confident perspective. And I love this, and this is something we all can learn from. David looked back at his life as a shepherd, and what did he see? He saw a God who delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he gave credit to God. And he knew the only reason he defeated the lion and the bear was because God was with him. And so he gained this amazing perspective. He said, God, when I look back, Saul, God has always been with me. And he's a faithful God. And so when I go out to fight this uncircumcised Philistine, he's going to be with me again. He has no chance because God is a faithful God. And that's the second point I want us to rest in and find confidence in. And that's this. God's faithfulness should fuel and help us be willing to step out in faith ourselves. God's faithfulness. My, my wife, for a long time, kept a prayer journal. And, and she hasn't done it recently, but I remember going back with her several times, and she's like, wow, God, God fulfilled that prayer. God answered that prayer. God was with us in that dark moment in our lives. God was with us in the difficulty. What that prayer journal did is it reminded us that God is faithful. Even in the dark places, God shows up. That's what happened for David. 
He said, he's always showed up with me in the past, and he's certainly going to show up with me if I'm willing to step out and face this giant. Folks, the one way we can feel confident is we can know that God's been faithful, he is faithful, and therefore we can trust he will continue to be faithful when we are obedient to him. So David saw that in his own life. And later on in life, he wrote the most famous of all the Psalms. And I want to share just one verse because it speaks to this so beautifully. Psalm 23, verse 4, David would later write, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. He's saying the same thing. Yeah, I go through dark places. I face giants all the time. Sometimes they're personal. Sometimes they're literal armies. But God, you, you're going to be there. You're always there. You always will be there. Therefore, I will fear no evil. And, and folks, that needs to be true of us too. Well, we've got to just trust a faithful God will continue to be faithful until he takes us home and we're in his presence. David trusted in his faithfulness, his faithfulness, and it fueled him to step out in faith once again and face Goliath. Now, your giants may look a whole lot different than a nine-foot giant dressed in armor who you physically have to fight. If that happens, I just, let me stand behind you, okay? <laughs> but, but your giant, we all face giants. That, that's my point. That God asks us to be obedient, to fulfill his commands, and yet we all struggle when we are standing in our own flesh and our own strength. But when we remember that God is faithful, we can face our own giants. That maybe God has been nudging you to speak, to a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, and you've been like, ah, I'm not equipped. I don't know enough. What if they ask me a question? God's saying, I'll be there for you. I'll give you what you need. I just step out in faith and know that I will walk into that place with you and give you what you need. Maybe he's calling on you to love someone that you don't even like. Whoa, that's a giant, right? And yet, we're called to love our enemies. We're called to pray for those who persecute us. How does that happen? Well, we trust in a faithful God. We trust that he'll give us the strength when we have none. But we trust that through his power and through his spirit, he can take our flesh and quiet it and help us respond with love and obedience to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is God is faithful. And, and if we trust that, it should fuel us and compel us to step up and walk in obedience to the things that God asks and calls on us to do. And folks... You're going to hear this in a minute, but I need to hear this. I'm not just preaching it. I'm desperately through God trying to live it. 
And I've had moments where my fear has won. And I've not stepped out in faith. And I believe God has opened a door and I'm, my mouth is dry. My heart's pounding. And I'm silent. So you need to know your pastor is working diligently to trust God and let it fuel my own faith so that I'll be faithful. And I believe I'm making progress. I, I do, but that's because of him. It's not because of us, but we have to trust him. And when we do, he will propel us and give us what we need to fulfill his calling on our life. So how does this story end? David steps up. Saul offers him his armor. He tries it on. We don't know if he was too small or he just doesn't like the feel, but he says, this isn't going to work for me. So he steps up with no armor. And he takes a sling. And he goes down and he grabs five small stones. Now, a few years ago, my daughter, through school, got to go to Jerusalem. She went to Northwestern. She's graduated now. But lo and behold, she surprised her father and said, I want you to go with me. And I got to go for the first time. And we had an amazing tour guide. He, he was a biblical scholar. He had studied all the places that, that the Bible speaks to. And he took us to the place, very, very likely, the two hills where the Israelites were and the Philistines were. And yes, there is a valley. There's a dry creek bed at the bottom. And we got to go down there after we read this story. And I picked up this stone. It's my favorite souvenir of the trip. And I think, what if David was right here when he picked up those five smooth stones to face the giant? Who knows? But I was probably pretty close. And that's really cool. It doesn't truly matter, but it gives me courage. As I thought about it and I stood there, I said, I want to trust God like David did in that moment. So, Goliath steps forward when he sees this little David and he says, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to feed you to the birds and the beasts. And then David responds. And that's where we pick up our story, verse 45. David said back to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but... I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. And Goliath, you made a terrible mistake. This is the one whom you defied. You didn't defy a man. You didn't defy just an army. You defied the living God. Do you really think you stand a chance? You're a mere man. You got a javelin and a sword and a spear. <laughs> Big deal. I'm coming at you with the living God, the creator of all things. Good luck, Goliath. Do you see the picture that David saw? He saw a living God who, who needed to be honored and defended. And, and David said, I'm the man because I trust him, and I know that he is faithful. 
David was not going to sit back silently even though the entire even though the entire Israelite army had done so including his older brothers and he wasn't going to let someone even a giant taunt and defy and mock the Lord almighty and that's our final point today and it's actually a question and maybe it makes you uncomfortable it has made me uncomfortable even as I wrote it, but it's important. Whose honor are we most concerned about defending? Our own or the Lord's? And all I ask is that you reflect on this a little bit this week. Whose honor are we most concerned about? Another word you might use is whose reputation are you most concerned about defending? Is it your own Or is it the Lord's? And folks, I have not always been able to say it's the Lord's. And that's why this study, this this sermon is so important to me. I want to bring it, make it personal for us, just bring it into our context and help us think about this a little bit, how it might apply. Two studies. A LifeWay research study found that nearly 63% of churchgoers say they've invited at least one person to church in the last six months. And I want to celebrate that. That means six out of ten of us have invited someone to come and share and experience Christian community and hopefully, if it's the right church, experience the Word of God and the movement of God in context of a church family. So that's a praise. Now we could look at it as the glass is half empty and say, but 37% of us didn't do that. But I'm saying praise God. 63% of us did. The second study is the one that's a little more alarming to me. Uh, uh, It wasn't the same study, but the same group, Lifeway Research Study, found that 80% of churchgoers believe that they um, have a responsibility to share their faith. 80% of us who, who go to church believe it's a responsibility of all of us to share our faith, to point to Jesus Christ. But only 39% of us have actually done it in the last six months. And here's what makes me uncomfortable, is if, and I do, by the way, if we believe eternities are at stake, if we believe coming to faith in Jesus Christ has eternal consequences, and I believe it does, then why are we struggling so to share and point to Jesus Christ? Most of us won't do it in the next six months. Why? I believe it's number three. Whose honor are we most concerned about defending? our own, or the Lord's. And I think if we're honest, we get into those places and fear and insecurity about how people will perceive us stops us in our tracks. I have been there. I I need to lean in and trust and be faithful to this calling. And maybe some of you do too. It, it, it is one thing to believe that eternities are stay, at stake, but it's another thing to allow that to cause 
conviction in us to say, regardless of the consequences, I'm going to live and point to Jesus, my Savior. I'm going to continue to hold him up and lift him up, even when it's awkward and uncomfortable. When I first came to faith, my, my brother asked me two questions. The first thing, after about six months, he said, bro, are you in a cult? Right? Because he had seen something crazy begin to happen in me. And I was excited about church, and I was excited about this new life, and, and it was spilling out of me onto my brothers and my family. And, 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 and he gave me the nickname Jesus Boy. Some of you know that already. And, and in that moment, I was still a little bit insecure. And when he first said it, I was somewhat embarrassed by it because I felt like he was saying, you're kind of a weirdo. Chad, you've changed. I mean, you're crazy about him, and it's just weird. It's, it's, it's impacting everything in your life, and I, I'm not sure I like it. Well, it took me a little while. I love the name Jesus Boy. I cherish it. And if you want to call me Jesus Boy, go ahead. I, I, I just want to own it and love it and say thank you for it. And all I'm saying to you all is I have wrestled and thought, I'm going to protect my reputation in this family. I'm going to protect my place in this family and not bring up Jesus because it's awkward and clunky and they might think I'm Jesus boy. But that's changed for me. And my prayer is it'll change for all of us. And that that we will put the honor and the reputation of our Lord and Savior above our own. And we'll fight through those fears and those awkward moments. And we'll say, amen. I love Jesus. And I want to have Jesus into your life too. Because I know how much it matters and how much it's changed my life. And Mike, I want that for you too. I want that for you, my daughter. I want that for you, coworker, schoolmate. And yeah, you might think I'm weird, but I'm fine with that. Because Jesus changed my life, and I want him to change yours, too. The story of David Goliath has so much to teach us in this moment in time. The first is our perspective really does matter. We can look at something and feel overwhelmed, or we can look and say, God, lead me through it. <laughs> You've been faithful. You are faithful and you will continue to be faithful. So God's faithfulness should fuel our willingness to be faithful ourselves and step out in faith. That's the second thing. We serve a faithful God, a loving God, who promises, I'll never leave you, I will never forsake you. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And and if we trust in that, then we can have the fuel and confidence to step out and obey what God is calling on you and me to do. And finally, ask the question this week, in your private time, in your prayerful time, Lord, what am I most concerned about? Is it my honor? Is it my reputation? Or if it's yours? And Lord, if it's been mine, Will you remove that 
Will you take that? Will you just forgive me and help me walk forward and be faithful to you? And all that you ask of me, God is faithful, folks. He loves you. You're forgiven. And he wants you to walk forward. And strangely, as broken and goofed up as we are, we are his plan to reach the world. Go and be light. Go and make disciples. Go and love in my name. Go and serve and feed the broken and the hurting and the imprisoned. If you're my followers and my disciples, I'll give you what you need so you can go. Amen? Will you pray with me? Lord God, give us the passion. Lord God, give us the faith. Lord God, help us trust. When we are facing our giants, you are a faithful God. Lord, give us perspective to trust that that you are with us, that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us, that no matter what you bring into our lives, you will be present and walk through the dark valley with us that your rod and your staff really do comfort us. So Lord, let us live and be your light this week. Let us step out in faith. Give us courage, just like David, to face our own giants. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It's my privilege to share a benediction, just a a closing blessing for you this morning. So I would like to close with this. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And, And may the Lord meet us in this place and help us be his light. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go forth, have a great Sunday, and God bless you all. We'll see you next week.